Are you tired of losing your rights and freedoms? The Alberta Prosperity Project has a solution for you. Join the community and learn more at albertaprosperityproject.com. And with you on board, we can achieve freedom and prosperity for all of us. Oh, hey, good morning, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Rebel News Daily Livestream. I'm your host, Sheila Gunn-Reed, and on Mondays, normally you expect my friend Adam Sos, but today we have Sid Fizard from our Calgary office. Sid, how's it going? I'm doing pretty great, and uh, we had a fair few events in the last couple of days to talk about, so uh, I'm happy to get to it. Nice to hear with our, be here with our viewers. Yeah, the uh, Alberta landscape's been pretty busy this last little bit. It's never boring out here. And as our friends know, Monday is sort of the Alberta-centric show. You have two Albertans, a lifelonger and uh, a refugee from <laughs> Toronto with us today. Um, and on every second Monday, our show here is sponsored by your friends at the Alberta Prosperity Project. Um, you can find out more about them at albertaprosperityproject.com. But basically, they're non not-for-profit, non-partisan educational society uniting all Albertans and businesses and organizations to protect their interests, freedoms, and rights, and flex our muscles a little bit against uh, Ottawa. Uh, actually, I think we have an ad from Alberta Prosperity Project. Let's go to that right away. Ah, okay. We'll go to that in a bit. Sorry, I put the the office on the spot. I just really don't want to forget um, to show their ad. So, um, yeah, I'll I'll tell everybody we're do what we're doing because um, obviously, apparently, I don't know. Um, so maybe the, the refresher is good for me. Um, and then we'll get into the news of the day. So we are streaming currently on YouTube. But YouTube is a censorship platform. So if we talk about something that might get us canceled off of YouTube, we're just going to cut the feed there. But the good news is you can watch us on three other places that really don't care about your opinions. You can watch us on Getter. We're streaming on Getter, but you can also watch us on Rumble and Odyssey. And the beauty of those two platforms is that they allow you to support the work that we do completely willingly through a paid chat. On Rumble, it's called a Rumble Rant. On Odyssey, it's called a Hyper Chat. So we'll sort of do our best, if I can remember, to collect your paid chats if you send them, and then we'll read them on air at about the 30 minute mark. Um, please producers push me in that direction if I forget. Um, so if you leave us a paid chat to support the work that we do, unlike what the mainstream media, you know, Justin Trudeau makes you support them, whether you like them or whether they're busy calling you racist. Um, we, we invite your voluntary uh, support. And if you leave us a paid chat, we'll read your comment, query, question, story idea on air. I think that's it. Now, uh, let's get into the news of the day because we didn't get a chance to talk about it last week because I don't think we had an Albertan available to do the stream to talk about it. But our friends at the Alberta Prosperity Project, they did a full debate and they had uh, Dr. Dennis Modry, who is the top dog over at APP, and our Ezra Levant asking the questions in the debate. And so there were the three front runners. Well, I guess the fourth front runner wasn't there because he's scared of the CBC. So we had Daniel Smith and we had Todd Lowen and Brian Jean. And these guys absolutely roasted Ottawa. Um, they were, as Ezra said in the morning meeting, talking like pundits instead of... Uh, politicians which i think is probably better because it's a little bit more candid um i like how they call us a right-wing media group in the cbc article 
And so they were talking about, um, there, there were some really good questions about what's the or else instead of strongly worded letters to Justin Trudeau every time he stomps all over things that are should be within the purview of the province's rights. Um, Danielle Smith proposed, um, you know, doing as much as we can within Confederation to fix the relationship with Ottawa before we pull the shoot. Uh, I think Todd Lowen's sort of of the same mindset. And Brian Jean was like, no, we have to work with Ottawa. Um, and that didn't get him a lot of great responses from the crowd, but he did have some good ideas. And kudos to all three of them, by the way, for showing up because the media was pressuring them. I know the party was pressuring them not to go. Um, some of their other inconsequential fellow candidates for the leadership of the UCP also pressuring them not to go with malicious lies, by the way. Um, so they went and more importantly than anything in all of this, you have to talk to Albertans if you want to lead them. And I've seen polls right now that show that more Albertans than Quebecers right now are expressing some form of separatist sentiment. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. But maybe it means uh, we want to leave the country be our own country, join the United States, have some sort of sovereignty association, be recognized as a distinct society like Quebec is. Maybe we need to execute the firewall letter, uh, the historic firewall letter. We Maybe we need to uh, have our own police force, run our own pension plan, collect our own taxes. Whatever that means, more Albertans want that right now than Quebecers who currently have much of that relationship. So to discard these people as fringe radicals is bad idea, Jeans. Um, but you are, Sid, I want to ask you about this because I'm a lifelong Albertan. So I've seen separatism come and go in waves. Um, and I think Stephen Harper sort of extinguished the idea of separatism all across the country. Quebec didn't want to leave all of a sudden, and neither did the West when Stephen Harper got elected, because he sort of rejigged the relationship with Quebec, and the West wanted in. That was our thing. We wanted in. We wanted to have, you know, this footing within the country where people would understand our financial contributions to, uh, to Confederation, and Stephen Harper recognized that. So that sort of extinguished the separatist movement before, but it's back with vengeance as it normally is when there's a Trudeau in power. Um, you've, you know, you are a transplanted Torontonian. So when you hear people like Leela Ahir, who's running to be the leader of the United Conservative Party, and many of those people in the room at the APP event, those are UCP voters. Like they're not separatists. You don't go to... Sorry, I, I, let me correct myself. They are unwilling, probably, separatists. They are people who love the province, probably love the country, but feel pushed out. And they are interested in what UCP leadership hopefuls have to say about this. So they're not quite ready to leave. They are willing to cast a vote for the UCP, which seems to be a federalist party. Um, what do you think about how you know those people are being talked about in the media and by Leela Ahir, who's also running to lead the UCP, calling them, you know, sort of extremist, homophobic nonsense. Uh, well, I think the media does the uh, separatist movement a disservice, to say the least. And it's part I think and it part does because... a disservice, actually, because every time the media talks, it just grows. Sorry, I, I've been talking no, too no. much. Go ahead. 
No, no, that's okay. Um, like from a, a Torontonian perspective, like you hear about, let's say equalization is one of those things. Like from the GTA, no idea what that means. Equalization is it's there's just a word to it. But then when you Sounds come good, here and you right? come, <laughs> well, you know, uh, it, it, it it's open to question. But in once you come here to Alberta and you see the people and you talk to them and you find out a little bit more about the issues that they're advocating for, uh, you really do see that they've been given the short end of the stick for a very long time. Uh, and you find out about situations like equalization and you realize that it isn't, and like a lot of the people, uh, the sentiment that you uh, alluded to where it's, we don't want to, but it's on the table. Um, that's kind of the approach that I think a lot of people have here because of uh, the long line of uh, 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 disrespect that they've received from Ottawa, basically. And from coming to Alberta from Toronto, I now share that sentiment as well. Yeah, it's funny. There's a lot of transplanted people who come to Alberta for the same the same reason generations and generations and generations of people, including my ancestors, came to Alberta. It's for opportunity. It's for space. Um, it's to make it's your for prosperity. way for prosperity to make your way in the world in the way you want to do it. Um, exactly. So for the freedom too. Um, and so there are a lot of people, recent transplants to Alberta who get here and they're like, holy heck, we had no idea. Where do we sign up to this uh, getting more autonomy business? Um, Tariq Elnaga is a great example of that. He, um, our friend Tariq Elnaga, he ran for the Maverick Party. He's a transplant to the country. He came out, to, to, came out west, fell in love with cowboy culture and realize we're getting a raw deal from the rest of the country. Now, most people don't want to leave. Most people in Alberta see themselves as Canadians, but they feel like there's my friend Tariq Elnaga. Boy, don't we look good? That's at the APP event. Um, you know, it's shocking. I, I clean up okay, but so does Tariq. So, <laughs> um, you know, like a lot of people come here and they have no idea that we, for example, pipelines is a huge issue. We... You know, like people who are, you've been working, you've been learning a lot on the energy file as since you've come to Alberta. And, you know, if you, from the outside, if you consumed all your information from the mainstream media, this is just a pump jack riddled wasteland, you know, like Bakersfield, California, by the way. Um, but but um, it's not, you know, like people don't know about the reclamation process and how small of a footprint a pump jack and an oil lease has to have. It's mandated by law and how green and clean and be, and we take that stuff very seriously. Um, and so when we're being told, no, you can't sell your oil, not only to the rest of the country, but to the rest of the world, we'd rather have it from Venezuela or Bakersfield or, um, we, no, sorry, we don't want your LNG, your liquefied natural gas. We'll get it from Russia. Um, you, you know, it, it's, if you told a Quebec industry that, they couldn't do business and do what they do best, there would be absolute outrage. They'd flip their lids and they'd get their way. But Albertans yeah. have just been taking it for a long time because we haven't been executing the same powers within Confederation that Quebec has. And we're tired of being told to shut up every time we talk about it. Well, and the, one of the big ironies, I think, about uh, the oil sands in particular is the fact that think about the negative connotation associated with an oil spill, whether it be on land or in the ocean, it is the end of days for anybody who's advocating for the environment. And they talk about the oil sands as, you know, this open pit mine and all this destruction, tail ponds, whatever. But at the end of the day, this oil is already naturally seeping out of the ground. 
natural oil spill, and it happens to be the largest one on the planet, if not uh, up there. So uh, the irony I see is the fact that instead of cleaning up this big dangerous oil spill, it's no, you're bad for trying to take the oil out of this environment. Yeah, it's odd. And I'm I'm so excited to see you just sort of peeling back the layers and learning all the good things yeah. about Alberta that uh, we know uh, inherently as Albertans, but um, we forget that the mainstream media is the wall a lot of people have to climb over to get their facts yeah. about who and what we are out here. Um, so it, it's funny to see, well, not funny, but it's, it's, uh, it, fun. It is fun to see you sort of discovering uh, it firsthand and like the the lies, the scales falling off your eyes as you learn it all. It's it's great well, for me. Even uh, just going back and seeing Stephen Gilboa, our now Minister of the Environment and Climate Change, uh, a role that's name got changed as Trudeau entered office, but that's aside from the point, uh, seeing Gilboa in the oil sands and while he was at his time in Greenpeace, it's uh, it's funny to see how even back then it's the same people that are still condemning it, even though they know and they should know at least that it is environmentally. Uh, there's a, an amount of environmental integrity that is brought to the table. Uh, the technological advancements make the industry cleaner around the world. And all of these things are neglected because oil bad. Because oil bad. And, uh, you know, when they say, you know, we're, you're not respecting indigenous rights, but there are a lot of indigenous partnerships in the oil sands um, because those jobs are in their communities. They don't even have to commute. They don't have to leave reserve. They can work there in their communities. And you have somebody in Ottawa saying, sorry, no, you get to stay on welfare and enjoy generational poverty. I mean, it's just atrocious. Um I could talk about this forever, but we are on a time limit. And uh, let's talk about one of the things that came out of the APP debate. We can throw to this clip, but it is, I think, I think she's the front runner. Um, we've got Brian Jean, Daniel Smith, and Travis Taves, who's sort of the establishment Jason Kenney pick, um, who was on the lockdown cabinet, who was also featured in uh, that picture of the Sky Palace where Jason Kenney was breaking the gathering rules. He's in that picture, but all of a sudden now he's like, no, the lockdowns were bad. I'm like, well, you, you, were, you, were, you were the guy locking everybody down, but okay. Um, anyways, uh, Daniel Smith suggests firing the Alberta Health Services Board in the leadership forum. And that I think, if I recall correctly, got a standing ovation from the crowd. <laughs> Ms. Smith. I had the great opportunity to interview Brian Peckford, the last living signatory to the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And he told me the two most important words in section one are reasonably demonstrable. There was nothing reasonable and there was nothing demonstrable about the decisions that they made. And it's been proven. The Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms keeps winning case after case after case. They've got Dr. Dina Hinshaw before the courts. And essentially, if you look at some of that testimony, it comes down to, well, we didn't really have any evidence. We were just doing it because everybody else was. That's not a good enough reason to violate your rights. We are a signatory to the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And everyone let us down. Like the House of Commons let us down. The Senate let us down. The media let us down. The medical establishment let us down. We are the last bulwark against a lawless Ottawa. It's part of the reason I feel so strongly that we need to pass the Alberta Sovereignty Act and we need to make sure that we stand up for the rights and freedoms of our citizens at all times. Amen, sister. 
So in keeping with this theme, question. Oh, I don't know if that's the clip. We have the one where she suggests firing the UCP board. Uh, that's sorry. That's not the clip. Let's uh, I, I don't know if we have a clip of that, but um, some mainstream media snoop uh, already wrote it up. So it's in the Edmonton Journal. And Daniel Smith suggests firing the Alberta Health Services Board in the leadership forum. Uh, she did. Uh, she she called the Alberta's uh, the Alberta Provincial Health Authority and the College of Physicians and Surgeons who have gone about the business of silencing any doctors who said that which is completely acceptable these days, that masks don't work. And now I can say that on YouTube and that uh, because they changed the rules just last week. And I can also say that vaccines don't necessarily stop the spread of COVID, which is what a vaccine is meant to do. But if you said that two weeks ago, you'd be canceled. And if you said that as a doctor two weeks ago, even though it's demonstrable, you could have your license suspended. And there are doctors in this province who have been saying what is 100% true from the very beginning. They were treated like pariahs. They had their careers ruined. Anyways, she is saying that the Alberta, the, the whole board should be fired. And the College of Physicians and Surgeons, she called them lawless and uh, suggests firing the boards of both bodies. Uh, perfect. Yes, there must be a reckoning for these people. They have ruined far too many lives to not taste a little bit of that which they doled out to everybody else. And think about the double standard where they're able to make, well, they can make any statement they want, uh, so long as it's for your health and safety, they can't be argued against. Um, and even to the point of, uh, well, sorry, that's uh, for us in the censorship, we're not allowed to say half the stuff that we'd like to. Uh, but on their end, uh, they've got uh, health bureaucrats who are saying that people dying of cancer uh, people dying of COVID are actually dying of cancer are actually dying of COVID. We saw one situation there, and there's, I'm sure, many others. I know of somebody who went to the hospital to have a baby. She tested positive for COVID. Now she wasn't sick, but it's just a, they routinely test you now for some reason for a disease so dangerous you don't even know you have it unless you get a test. She went there to have a baby and then was counted as a COVID hospitalization. Yeah. Because that's how they were jigging the numbers. And so Danielle Smith, it, it was all part of a question that the boss man asked, Ezra Levant. He asked them to describe, and this is what a great way to put this, a truth and reconciliation process whereby victims of the lockdown could air their grievances. So time to rip the Band-Aid off. We need to find out what happened, what went wrong, who made the decisions. And the people who made the decisions need to hear from the people they harmed. And Smith suggested Alberta's government should hold Alberta Health Services and the college to account before conducting a public review. Uh, and she wants to hear from people who suffered during the pandemic, specifically those who lost loved ones. And there are multiple different ways that happened through canceled surgeries, delayed cancer treatment, um, uh, through uh, suicides um, and concern and overdoses, by the way, and have concerns about the mental health of youth. These are things that someone has to be held account held to account for. And we begin by putting new leadership at the top with people who made this decision in the first place. And then Todd Lowen, who is running to lead the party that kicked him out for speaking out against the lockdowns. He said that Alberta Health Services 
has to be gutted. And it should start with Dina Henshaw, by the way, who I think makes thrice what the uh, premier makes. Um, she's unelected, unaccountable. She's too busy to testify in court. And then she took a vacation the next day. Uh, she's yeah. dodged accountability on all of this and everything. She says she's not a politician, but everything she recommended and did was purely for political reasons. And there is a wake of destruction behind this woman that she needs to be held account for. And the health minister, by the way, under Jason Kenney, Tyler Shandro, and I forget who the guy is now, um, they're responsible for this too, because everything she did, she could not have done without their okay. Yeah, well, and with so many of them, we hear that it's the recommendation of Health Canada. Well, where does Health Canada get its recommendation? Well, the World uh, Health Organization and so forth. It's always the, that's the person who said this is the right thing to do, that larger group of more uh, important, distinguished individuals that we should all listen to. Yeah, yeah, it's just they pass the buck all the way up the chain. And it's like, okay, great. If we're just going to listen to the World Health Organization who has been infested by China, um, then why do I need you? Why do I need exactly. a health minister? Why do I need Dina Hinshaw? Why do I need Dr. Teresa Tam? Why do I need everybody in between? At least if we're going to do exactly what the World Health Organization is telling us to do, which is exactly that which China is telling the World Health Organization to tell everybody to do, why do I have to pay for all the liars in between? Why? Exactly. Um, okay. That Now that that's out of my system, I should let everybody know that our friend Adam Sos was at the APP uh, leadership debate with me. He has a full video coming out. He's got interviews with people. He's um, interviews with candidates. Um, so, and I think I'm also in that video. Uh, I gave my comments, um, although uh, I feel like I just gave a lot of them right now. And the boss and Ezra's doing his show on it, I think, tonight. So, um, but to see Ezra's show early and ad-free, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to get access to that. It's eight bucks a month, but you get access to my show, Ezra's show, David's show, Cat and Nat's show, and Andrew Chapados' show. So that's like five shows and we never raised the price since the inception of the thing. So we're fighting inflation uh, <laughs> a little bit for you. Um, so anyway, stay tuned if you want to see more from that. Um, maybe now are we prepared to go to the ad break? Let's roll that, please. have to understand that freedom is not free Quiet. and you cannot have prosperity without freedom. How many, how many people would like freedom from being over-governed, over-regulated and over-taxed? It is then that I can confidently state Alberta would summit the wealth of nations and become one of the most desirable, efficient, highest per capita GDP producing countries in the world. Hey folks, check out the newest arrival to the Rebel News Store. Yes, F is for Fidel and F is for Let me, let me ask you father. this. I mean, uh, could it why be? do you think it is? Yes, it half yeah, this photo, the color testosterone levels are, is are, are, Justin are dropping, Trudeau, so. the black and white half is a young Fidel Castro. 
athlete now, or is it vice versa? It's so confusing. I'm a huge Forensic Files fan. Wouldn't it be great if we could have a piece of Justin's DNA and a piece of Fidel's DNA and put the rumor to bed once and for all? But in the meantime, we'll just have to walk around wearing this shirt, hinting at a great Canadian conspiracy. Or is it? <laughs> in any event, if you want to get this shirt, folks, go to the Rebel News Store and check this out. Type in our new discount code that summer, S-U-M-M-E-R. And if you buy two unisex t-shirts, get an additional one for free. What a deal. Like I said, Justin Trudeau, Fidel Castro. As they used to say on the ABC detergent ads, can you tell the difference? I can't tell the difference. Do you know what, by the way, if somebody wants to gut Alberta Health Services, I'm willing to listen to the founder of the Alberta Prosperity Project, Dennis Modry. I don't Sorry, I should call him Dr. Dennis Modry. Um, while uh, people like Leela Ahir, the fringe candidate for the leadership of the UCP, might write him off as some sort of radical, he is uh, a prominent heart surgeon. Actually, I think he performed the first heart transplant in Western Canada. And he's been fighting with Alberta Health Services since 2015 when they tried to suspend his service, his, uh, his, um, his ability to practice. Um, and they, it sounds like they produced, um, some fraudulent, uh, statistics about mortality rates in and around when he was operating. And, uh, so he knows about the corruption at Alberta health services and he was fighting with them seven years before we realized just how bad they were. So, um, also when somebody is a cardio and thoracic surgeon performing heart and lung transplants, I'm willing to listen to them on issues of uh, pulmonary uh, diseases like COVID-19. And so when he says, you know, there's probably another way to do this, I'm, I'm willing to listen to that guy and not Dina Hinshaw, who before in the before times, the only time you heard from her was when she was warning us about the potential for Lyme disease because ticks had moved into the region and to keep it in your pants during the Calgary Stampede so you don't get an STD. That's the only time we ever heard from this woman. That's the only time I wish to ever hear from her again. Well, that's uh, uh, one of the great shames, though, as well as not only is it the media censorship that we're seeing, but as well, doctors, nurses, people in the health industry, there's a countless number of individuals who have been censored uh, throughout the last few years. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, it looks like my Skype is getting a little pixelated, but let's get to a couple chats and then we'll move into the other big thing that happened over the weekend. Somebody yelled at the deputy prime minister. And so the world stopped. And uh, Justin Trudeau had to issue a statement because, as you know, he's a prominent male feminist. Um, and so uh, the story, again, is Albertans bad, conservatives bad. Uh, Freeland, who also proclaims herself to be a prominent feminist, is too delicate to handle public criticism. So anyways, these feminists have to pick a lane. Either you're like built like a man and can do whatever a man does and you're not delicate or the world has to stop because somebody yelled at you. Somebody pick a lane. Anyways, let's get to some of these chats. Um, Adam Ottawa gives us a buck. Says, speaking of Quebec-based industry, I seem to recall SNC-Lavalin, thank you very much, or Bombardier for that matter, getting a free pass from Justin Trudeau at the expense of a cabinet minister to boot. Yeah, 
Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, heaven and earth to keep those jobs going. Heaven and earth. Yeah. All kinds of crooked business. Uh, getting rid of cabinet ministers just to protect your friends at SNC Lavalin. Um, and, you know, meddling with ethics. But all Alberta wants to do is build a pipeline. Yeah. And they won't let us. Exactly. Well, actually, on the note of SNC uh, Lavalin, the next time they're, uh, they make the headlines, there's an office in Calgary, so I, uh, I know exactly where to do the shoot for that. Oh, gosh. They're just the worst. I mean, they're, I think they're building bullet trains in Iran, if I recall <laughs> correctly. Maybe that was Bombardier. One of those two. I confuse my uh, corrupt Quebec companies sometimes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Katrina Panova gives us 10 bucks. Well, thanks very much. Hello and cheers to all the lovely rebels. This rumble rant is specifically a donation to Andrew does in substitution of me donating to a current thing fund. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Shout out to Andrew. Yeah. And Yorgi Yorgi or Jorgi Jorgi. I don't know how you say that. Sometimes the J is a Y. So uh, give us a buck. Hello. It's been a minute. I see that the political establishment and all other establishments have been speaking out against the narrative. I want accountability and won't rest until I, I think you won't rest until you get it. So um, neither will I. Uh, that's part of our job here at Rebel News. We speak truth to power and we hold powerful people to account, which sometimes uh, people do in a clumsy and clunky way as occurred over the weekend. Um or maybe it was early last week uh, when Christia Freeland was in our province, which she claims is her province, although I don't know when the last time she was really living here is. But she's the latest target of public threats and intimidation against women in Canadian politics. Somebody yelled at her in public. Now, it was profane. I wouldn't suggest that you do it. But does it happen all the time to anybody who's in the public eye? And often conservatives yeah you better believe it um if if being yelled like it's it's the reason we live in a free society is because we can yell at politicians and not go to jail for it that's the whole point uh, now you don't have to like it you don't have you can disagree with it you could say don't swear don't call her names whatever don't make threats of violence, naturally, of course. That's illegal. But politicians getting yelled at in public is as old as time. And if you don't like it, you know what? Go be a librarian. Well, and I think on an international level as well, we uh, we treat our politicians with uh, uh, pretty pretty large kid gloves, so to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, you know, it's funny because everybody now is all worried about, oh, the treatment of women and prominent female figures. Okay. Thanks. Justin Trudeau, I think is even speaking out about it. I'll, uh, although um, I didn't hear a lot from him when his bodyguards ragdoll Drea um, or when his bodyguards, uh, you know, assaulted David Menzies. And he's like, Justin Trudeau's like, Ooh, we got to bring the heat down on political discourse. Aren't you the guy that called everybody a bunch of racists and fascists because they disagreed with you politically, even completely peaceful people? You said there was no space for them in public. So you know what they're doing? They're making space for themselves in public. That's what happens when you push people into a pressure cooker. I don't agree with the, um, like, look at this. This is what happened to David. Now, I don't agree with uh, maybe the 
clunky way that someone confronted Freeland. Um, and we'll, we'll show that clip in a second, but is it violence? No. It like, is it the worst thing that would happen to any one of us here at rebel news on, on, uh, a year on the job? Probably not. Um, let's show this. Do we have the sort of bleeped version? Cause I don't want to, I don't, I mean, it's pretty rough, but can we, do we have the bleeped version of what was said to Freeland? Because we can dissect this a little bit because the guy who did this plays no favorites. He yells at everybody, but when he was yelling at conservatives, nobody seemed to care. Shouldn't you guys have the itinerary since you guys are hosting all of this stuff for her? Okay. It's not bleeped. Good luck to you all. Oh, right there she is. Elliot. Right there. Hi, Christia. Christia. Yes. What the fuck are you doing in Alberta? You fucking traitorous fucking bitch. Get the fuck out of this province. You don't belong here. You're a fucking traitor, you fucking bitch. Yeah, go. Shouldn't you guys okay, that's have... Rough it. That's rough and jarring, right? But... I get called a bitch frequently in public. You should, you should, you want to see what, just read my Twitter mentions underneath that picture of Tariq El Naga. It's nothing but a bunch of people telling me off and calling me ugly. Like I care. Um, but you know, who, who cares? Like she wasn't threatened. She wasn't assaulted. Um, and that guy has said something similar to Pierre Polyev, but I know you have something to say, so I don't want to cut you off. Oh, no, no. Uh, do we have that Pierre clip? Um, because, it, it, I mean, this isn't like a liberal attack or a, a Christian Freeland specific attack. I mean, perhaps maybe a little bit Christian Freeland was on the radar, uh, but it seems like generally politicians. Yeah, exactly. This guy has his eye for politicians. They're the ones who, who uh, change our lives with the laws and guidelines that they put forward. So that's who he's addressing, I'd say, less so than any specific uh, individual. So if this is, you know, the attack on Christian Freeland, as they're trying to claim it to be, or the assault, uh, as uh, our mayor here in Calgary has uh, mentioned, I don't know if we can pull that up for a second, but it's uh, they're, they're trying to describe it as, as I mentioned, the assault. And Sheila, you were actually literally assaulted uh, a little while ago. That's correct, isn't it? Yeah, in 2017, a male feminist named Dion Buse, if you want to see that, just go to DionBuse.com. We'll own that URL forever. Um, he punched my camera into my face at the Women's March. And then the hideous cat ladies all around him told me to calm down. Said, hey, calm down. Like, that guy just punched me in the face, tell me to calm down. Um, and then a couple of those uh, hideous, awful hobgoblin women who don't have children, they just have abortions. Those behind him told me, look at them smiling. Then they comfort him. Then they whisk him away. Um, that's me with the toque yelling at the women because um, they're telling me to calm down. Then they take him away so that the police can't find him. It's fine. When we put out a bounty, one of his relatives turned him in. Um, but uh, they they told me to calm down told me, well, maybe I shouldn't have been bothering him. Like my politics were my skirt was too short kind of thing. Maybe I shouldn't have been dressed that way and somebody wouldn't have attacked me. You know what I mean? Um, and I got victim blamed by organizers from the Women's March. 
they were defending this guy against me saying, I must have done something to invite it. And literally the last thing I said to him was, I'm just trying to have a conversation here. And he could have walked away at any point. I'm standing there with a microphone and a bigger camera. It wasn't like my little cell phone that I use these days. It was on a tripod. I'm in a crowd of 800 cat ladies. So you can't really move around. Um, and they whisked him away. They didn't even ask me if I was okay. They told me to calm down after this little weep punched a camera. One of my biggest regrets is not cold clocking that guy, but then it would have, the story would have been rebel news reporter assault, assaults male feminist at the women's March. And then, you know, that's the story. So that guy was charged. Um, and he, we also sued him in court and these people decrying the treatment of Christian Freeland. Most of them said nothing when that happened. Um, they didn't say anything when uh, Drea, a female journalist of color, apparently people like Rachel Gilmore, uh, mainstream media TikTok journalist, that's a thing now. Uh, she's really outspoken about the treatment of female journalists of color. Um, I didn't say anything when Drea was like tossed by Justin Trudeau's uh, security. But Freeland gets yelled at. Just yelled at. Now she's sworn at. I probably don't don't do that. It's not a good look. But um, I sorry. I'm 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 having a hard time finding a lot of giving a rip about this. I just I just don't have it in me. Well, here here's the thing: is the reason why the politicians, in my opinion, the reason why they wouldn't say you know don't punch a journalist or this or that and don't defend independent journalism, uh, is because what does that benefit? What, what's the benefit for right. a politician to have more eyes on everything they're doing? Well, and then you have this incident here with Christian Freeland, and some guy yells at her, and uh, other politicians are calling it an assault. Well, what benefit does that have for the politicians? Well, maybe they can get some more security. Maybe they can uh, you know get a private detail wherever they go. And they can always have themselves behind this wall uh, between them and the public. Yeah. Let's show that clip of this guy confronting Pierre Polyev. And then I want to talk about Jody Gondik because we sort of hinted at it a couple times. But I think Sid's right about how they're quickly changing the narrative. And I want to show I want to talk about how that is a replication of what happened with the invocation of the Emergencies Act. But let's go to this clip um, of this guy confronting Polyev. Oh, do we? Oh, we just have a sorry. Uh, Olivia whispers in my ear. We have a different Polyev clip. So I think this is one of just Polyev getting rough treatment out in public, which nobody seemed to care about at the time because um, he's not a liberal lady. Oh, they just found what I talked about. So things are changing very quickly in my ear. So uh, this is live TV. So bear with us. So why don't we roll? Let's roll whatever we have. And we're all going to find out together <laughs> what we're watching. Oh, I saw it over there. 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 Oh, I saw it over there.
Can you guys get out of the way, please? Okay, I think that's good. You can't really hear a lot of what's going on, but that's the same guy that yelled at Christia Freeland. Now, what I find astounding about this is that guy jumps the stage, gets right over Polyev's shoulder while he's with somebody else. He, they walk back to deal with whatever's happening. He's got his hands on Polyev's shoulder. Then Chris Workington, another MP, sort of takes him away, and he's still, like, pointing and gesting, gesturing um, near him. If that were Justin Trudeau, that would have been an assault because he put his hands on him. Violent assault. That guy would have had his bank account frozen. And uh, he would have been flattened by security and taken away. We never would have seen that guy again. He would be 49 days in jail like um, Tamara Leach. But that's the same guy. And so, um, I don't know. Again, nobody well, cared when it happens to Pierre Polyev. I'm having a tough time caring that somebody yelled at Christy Freeland in public. I just am. I just, sure, don't do it. But I just, I'm to like the the amount of outrage. Give me a break. Well, did Jody, uh, Jody say anything about that incident? No, of course not. Let's go to Jody Gondek, by the way. So the mayor of Calgary, who is an insufferable progressive of the worst kind, to the left of the NDP. Like, to the left of the NDP, to the left of the Greens. Like, what's over there? Um, I don't know if she's a communist, but she's, she's like, to the left of the NDP. Mayor Jody Gondek. She said... I've been asked by some people why I haven't made a public statement about the assault. Pay attention to that word here because this this is the most dangerous word in all of this. This is more dangerous than getting yelled at by a guy in public. Uh, about the assault on our deputy prime minister. To be blunt, I had to sit with my thoughts for a couple of days. Oh, give me a break. These people. Like somebody else getting yelled at is the most like destructive thing that ever happened to them. Like I can't believe that there are no. such soft people in politics. Because this incident yeah. is not isolated and brings up too much pain. Too much yeah. pain. Pain. Well, I think Give they, me a break. I think, I think these politicians have to be soft because there's so many influencers that dip their toe into the race uh, or dip their, uh, their hat into the game, I guess I should say. Uh, like, uh, how many people have come to, let's, just because she's on screen, Mayor Jody Gondek, how many people have come to her outside of the public eye and said, I want this to happen? You need to do this. Hey, look what I got. You know, do you want some of this? Oh, well, then you're going to have to do this for me. You know, it, there's all these shady things that happen in the political arena. Uh, and that's why I think these people, even though they might put on a tough face and, you know, how dare thee and, you know, they advocate to uh, any degree that they might. Um, I think that's all because they themselves don't advocate for themselves. They are very submissive to the powers around them. But not yeah, the people, uh, unfortunately, uh, unless you're lucky, unless you push hard. Judy Gondek, uh, the reason I think it is very dangerous that she used the word assault 
is because now we're watching the narrative change in real time. What was rough language in public, which is distasteful, but not illegal. No threats were uttered. No one was touched there, unlike with Paulia, who that guy put his hands on him. Um, that was just rough language. To call it an mm -hmm. assault is dangerous, and it's shifting this into a yeah. more serious situation. And it is exactly what we saw with the invocation of the Emergencies Act. We mm -hmm. heard that it was quickly a violent seditious threat to overthrow the Canadian government. And anybody who was there was like these bouncy castles, the street cleanup, these exactly. like open air soup kitchens for the homeless. This is the violent seditious plot. Um, this ter terrorist Tamara Leach, who is only charged with mischief, which is like the minorest of crimes. Um, yeah. the, people are still calling her a seditious terrorist. And it's like, she's charged with mischief and counseling to commit mischief which is not even committing mischief it's saying hey do that stupid thing over there it'll be cool which would make like your entire teenage years illegal <laughs> under, under that um you know under that sort of application of the law but they're moving it to assault which means now we need to deal with it legally as though it's assault and okay so maybe we don't have the tools in front of us but what if we started making the tools all of a sudden to shut up these prickly people in public who are telling us what they think of us because now we're calling it assault. And so when words become violence, then what do you do when someone comes at you with violence? You are justified also now in using violence to retaliate because friends, we're only defending ourselves. And that's why switching the, the meaning of these words and upping the ante of these events is so dangerous for freedom. Because when they start de de defining words as violence, they will use the violence of the state now to shut up your words that they've determined are violent. So I'm very worried about just uh, how quickly this is sort of evolving into something much more serious than in reality it really is. Well, and, you know, Sheila, I'm not sure if you know offhand, what's the, and maybe you do, maybe you don't, the cumulative amount of days that pastors have spent in prison behind bars for peaceful actions that they've taken? Well, how many days? It's over 50. I mean, that's Art for Alone. Oh, it's, Arthur, oh, Pastor, Arthur it's over 50. Yeah, it's over 50 for Art. I think it was 35 days for, uh, for uh, James Coates, then uh, – Tim Stevens was, I think, three weeks maybe all in. Um, we've got um, Phil Hutchins, who we should never forget about. He in uh, Eastern Canada, he spent a week in jail, um, yeah. and that's just not the the detainment. Yeah. And we've got Chris Scott Tobias. in there. Yeah. Tobias was on the run yeah. for a bit. Um, so, uh, you know, there there are people who have experienced the force of the state for using just their words already. Um, I, I wouldn't be uh, surprised to see more legislation come out of this because Justin Trudeau is a reactionary legislator, right? Like he uses bad things to quickly take away your freedoms. Ask the firearms community how that's working out for us. Um, so I, I wouldn't There's, be surprised. Uh, actually a bit of an invasion, sorry. Well, there's actually a, a bit of an investigation uh, over there in Nova Scotia that, that uh, a bit alludes to, as some people might remember. Yeah, there's the emer the um, 
the uh, mass casualty commission that is underway. And they're showing just how cynical Justin Trudeau's uh, gun control legislation was that they stood on the graves of people who died um, to push through Justin Trudeau's latest gun grab. And, and, and then again, in the wake of uh, the Uvalde shooting, they decided to ban the importation of handguns. And we're like, that's a failure of policing in Texas. What has that got to do with me? In fact, what I saw unfolding in Uvalde where police refused to go in to uh, a mass casualty event inside of a school only tells me that I shouldn't rely on the police for my self-defense. But instead, Justin Trudeau uh, used it to disarm Canadian gun owners who have no guilt in anything that happened in Uvalde. And so, again, I say just how quickly they're changing the what actually happened here, I'm worried that we're going to see another crackdown on our rights here. And maybe we can throw to Justin Trudeau, his his completely, uh, I, I mean, his statement, it, just zero self-awareness whatsoever. Should I put you on the spot? Well, well while we're pulling up uh, or looking for that clip there, I just want to mention, you know, you uh, you talked about how, oh, yeah, let's play that first. I want to take a moment to address, um, in part, the video we saw this weekend of the Deputy Prime Minister being subjected to some extremely disturbing harassment and threats. No threats. And this is not an isolated incident. Sadly, this is something we're seeing more and more of. Certainly, uh, members of this community have seen it. Uh, but we're seeing increasingly uh, people in public life, people in positions of responsibility, particularly women, uh, racialized Canadians, uh, people of uh, minority uh, or uh, different uh, community groups uh, being targeted almost because of the increasing strength of your voices, of your positions, of the impact you're having around the world and around okay, the Okay, perfect, perfect. We're Let's cut right there. Backlash. Throw to the clip of Drea getting ragdolled by his... Uh... Um, his security because yes, she is indeed getting attacked because of the rising sound of her voice and the rising impact of the work that she's doing. That's why Justin Trudeau and ha had his security toss her aside when she asked a question about burning Christian churches. Do we have that clip? We don't have it ready. That's okay. You guys can find it online. <laughs> but well, but uh, yeah, Justin uh, Trudeau. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'll, I'll just say what I was uh, going to say before the clip is that um, uh, you mentioned how they're kind of using, in the case of the uh, the shooting that happened in Nova Scotia, the uh, they're using the graves of victims and they're standing above them to make their case for whatever it might be. And this is very much so, I think, the way that Trudeau operates at a base level. And you think about uh, Drea Humphrey and the reporting that she's been doing on the Indigenous community. Uh, and, uh, of course, many people are familiar with the Kamloops situation. Uh, there was a, quote, re, you know, re-revealing uh, of the potential for a burial ground and there's uh, a lot of uh, explosive um emotions that came out of that and trudeau did absolutely everything he could to capitalize on on that and what are we left yeah, with at the end of, of the day well what's gotten better we found out about it okay 
That's it. But did we period. even? And they capitalized yeah, but on did it. We no. even, yeah, but did we even get the truth? A year and some later, we still don't no. have the truth of what happened there and, and what people found. And nobody seems to be interested in finding it out because the truth might not align with the narrative there. Um, and, you know, uh, just on a, uh, just a, a less analytical note, Freeland without any sort of um, evidence whatsoever froze the bank accounts of thousands of people, treated yeah. them like terrorist financiers. Freezing someone's bank account like that can cause unbelievable undue financial hardship. People are least. still, to say the least, they're still recovering from it. That is missed truck payments, missed mortgage payments, can't buy groceries, can't put gas in the car, be, can't pay for your kids' sports, pay for your kids' medicine because of her freezing bank accounts. Heaven forbid one of those people whose lives she destroyed find her out in the real world and tell her what she did to them. She did this and she might hear from it from the people that she did it to. What We have Yankees clip there. She cackles like a banshee while she is potentially destroying lives. So, sorry, you might get some blowback in the real world, lady. Yeah. Yeah, no, to say the least, um, the the amount of damage that's been done over the last two years and the fact that they think they deserve this, you know, cozy, warm blanket around themselves, these politicians. Well, who who granted you that? Who who told you that you could step into public office? You could affect the way that millions of people's lives uh, work. You could affect their bottom dollar. You can change everything about them, everything their kids learn. You have access to all of that. And do you think that you're exempt from criticism? You're exempt from the public critique? No. I'm sorry, but no. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. Um, yeah, just, you know, when you have pushed people into um, being unable to buy their kids food because you froze their bank account because they disagreed with your politics, that's it. Your people are going to confront you in public and it is going to get a little passionate. Like I said, uh, in our planning meeting for this, if she froze my bank account because I disagreed with her politically and my kids paid the price for that, I would be inventing new swear words if I saw her in public. <laughs> I would. Because when you get between a, a dad and their kids or a mom and their kids and you for doing nothing wrong except holding a different peaceful political view, there would be I would be using swear words the world has never even heard of before. <laughs> there would be a whole other like urban dictionary um entry just for the words I used against the person who did that to me. So, you know, it's not violent. It won't be pretty, but, uh, and I, you know, that it's just the way it is. Well, and I just want to show something here. Uh, we have a clip. Uh, this is posted from Twitter, uh, a Radio Geneva account, and they say, hungry people in Bangladesh on the hunt for politicians. Now, I'm not advocating yeah. for that. Let's not see that here in Canada. But you need to understand the visual and quite literally the difference between some guy yelling at Christia Freeland and politicians actually fearing for their lives in other countries because they're destroying lives of people. We are the most tolerant country in the planet. You know, We say sorry after every other sentence. And and our politicians deserve to hear a little bit of criticism. They don't, I'm not going to say they deserve this to say the least, uh, but this is what is happening around the world. This is to contrast what's happening here in Canada. Yeah. 
you know, sorry, Justin Trudeau can call people literally the worst thing on the face of the earth, like a white supremacist, racist, extremist, simply because they disagree with his handling of the pandemic. He can call those people, all those things, allude to the fact that they are Nazis or whatever. And if somebody gives it back to them, they cry about it. Sorry, I don't care. I don't care. I, I, I just don't. I toughen up. Get out of politics if you can't deal with the ugly, intense, emotional side of it. I, I don't recommend that people do this to their politicians, but it's out there and you're going to get it. That's what that is the flip side of living in a free society. It's not always polite. It's not always pretty, but people get to yell at their politicians in public. They do. It's not illegal. Sorry. If you want it to be illegal, find a way to wheel your way into the um Royal family in Saudi Arabia. If you yell at one of those, you will end up in jail. You'll have economic prosperity and literally no rights. So if that's how you want to live, there are places in the world where you can get that. But that's not here. Um, we should, before we go, because it's in the YouTube title, and we're already at uh, 11 o'clock out here in the West, and I have a story to do, two of them before, and I'm going to be late for both. Um, so... Um, we should talk about what happened at Western University. So Western is the uh, former university that used to uh, employ Julie, Dr. Julie Panessi, who is the pandemic ethics scholar over at the Democracy Fund. And they have mandated a third jab to their students. So after they've paid their tuition, they get this other thing dropped on them. After they've paid their tuition, saying, okay, you know, those first two that didn't work, here, get this third one. Um, and so there was a protest at Western U over the weekend. We had some people there. Uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, her audio is great here because she's an ethics scholar. So she did the ethical thing and she was fired for it. Um, which means the people teaching ethics don't actually believe in ethics now at Western U. Um, but she came there to support the students. Let's uh, roll this. Campus. I had a set of foot on campus. I think I've intentionally driven as far away from campus as I could for the last two and a half years. But it's time. It's time to come back. And looking out into the crowd today is just the most beautiful thing I could imagine. So thank you. As Kenny said, I've taught philosophy, ethics in particular. I've been on college for eight years, and I was terminated last September for, for questioning and refusing to comply with Huron and Western's vaccine mandate and doing it in a very public way. And the irony is that I was fired for doing exactly what I was hired to do. Yeah. So we do have a full report from that protest coming out. Uh, we also have a full report from other things that the Democracy Fund was up to over the weekend. So they had a, um, um, oh, sorry, my computer's frozen up. Um, they had an event where they had panelists, including everybody's favorite Jewish grandma, Barbara Kay, uh, speaking uh, about the issue of having biological males in women's spaces. So their, their event is called Protecting Women's Spaces 
in the age of transgenderism. And we also have a full report from because our friend Tamara Ugolini was on the scene there. So the Democracy Fund is starting to release clips. So um, if you follow the Democracy Fund on their social media pages, you'll see some of that discussion. And then we had uh, interviews with the speakers from on the ground there and some of the attendees. So um, this is very interesting, this one clip. I want to show this, even though I know we're over time, because I didn't know this, and I have a daughter who plays high-level sports, and we're already we're looking at universities where they're going to take her. So um, I didn't know that this was something that she could encounter if she plays uh, university-level sports, which she will if she chooses to play in Canada, which is looking less and less like that's the case. Um, I didn't realize that this is uh, something that she might come up against. So let's roll this. And by the way, um, although we do not have a Title IX in Canada, we do have, um, uh, in terms of for sport, we have the Canadian Centre for Ethics in Sport. The Canadian Centre for Ethics in Sport was founded after the doping scandals of the 1980s. And it was founded, and the word ethics was put in there, because its primary purpose was to ensure that doping did not occur again in sport on anything like, and that it would be wiped out in sport. Uh, in effect, um, men playing in women's sport is a form of doping because their, their, their advantage is something like 13% at least over, and that's even admitted, by the way, that's even admitted by trans activists who say, well, inclusion is more important. That's, that's their only, that's their answer. And the Canadian Centre for Ethics and Sport, I think you should know uh, that their guidelines are what, um, are, what uh, are followed by all high school and university sports in Canada. And they, they not only allow for any uh, female identifying male to go into, but without any testosterone suppression, anything. Not only that, but they allow, they allow uh, a, a male to identify as a woman for one sport, and then the next season identify back into, you know, even in the same, within two sports, a person can identify as either. Yeah. So and that then, just shows you how, how. Isn't that crazy? So if you were a dual sport athlete, you can identify within the same season, same school year. Let's say you run track as a male, but play rugby as a female. I'm uh, I'm paraphrasing, but what did she say that inclusion was more important uh, than a, a fair challenge, a fair competition? I guess uh, I forget the exact thing yeah. she said. Yeah, yeah, which <laughs> robs which robs opportunities from girls like my daughter. Um, and I'm old enough to remember when testosterone was a banned substance for women to dope with. Well, and I think it's just uh, a note I want to make is the word inclusion, you know, uh, perhaps the, the first insight one might have is to say that inclusion is a good word or it's a positive. Uh, but any, tier, uh, any tyrant wants everything to be included under his domain or under their domain, perhaps I should say. Um, the inclusion aspect of this is just a matter of uh, forcing everything into one level of conformity. And of course, we're human. We don't conform. That's that especially here at Rebel News. It's probably not in our nature um and that's uh i just want that to say that about inclusion and the fact that they use this buttery or this flowery language uh but at the end of the day it's what they're doing that is more to focus on i'm going to start using the phrase buttery language more often because <laughs> i like butter better than flowers um but it is true and their inclusion 
excludes female athletes from opportunities. Exactly. Uh, let's get to some of these chats. Um, I'm hungry for butter now. Um, let's get to some of these chats because uh, you got a busy day. I got a busy day. You got a video to finish up and I've got and a written piece. So I got to finish up. So uh, we've got one from Katrina Panova. It gives us five bucks. National outrage over Freeland receiving some mean words, but not a peep when you were assaulted by Dion Buse. It was even worse. They victim blame me. They're like, well, maybe, maybe, maybe she should have left him alone. I had it coming. You see, uh, I still, one of my greatest regrets is just not fucking that guy. I have like three inches on him. And I'm, I'm stronger than him, but, uh, I did not because, uh, then you know what the story would have been violent. Sheila assaults, peaceful male, uh, phrase bow. That's Fraser McBurney Hamilton's, um, uh, most dedicated protester because five bucks looks like mother earth isn't cooperating with the climate hoaxers and global warmers. August is on the verge of being tropical storm free for over the third time in 60 years. They're going to blame that on climate change too. More, more storms, climate change, fewer storms, climate change. You see well, warmer winters, climate change, colder winters, climate change. That's why they don't call it global warming anymore. And they're moving towards using the phrase, phrase climate disruption instead of yeah. uh climate change yeah. well well they they have to stop using the term climate change because the climate changes point blank yeah, period the, yeah. bottom it's line not stagnant. like things yeah. aren't going to stay still the weather's not going to stay the same every year uh the the world temperature isn't going to stay the same every year except in their eyes well they've set a goal at where the temperature should be where these other environmental metrics should be and now they it's they've set a, a standard, uh, a, a direct um, point that all of these things should be at. Meanwhile, the environment and the climate itself looks at these numbers and thinks nothing of it because it is a force of chaos. It is not an orderly thing to challenge the environment. So it, it, the whole thing's a farce in my opinion, but I'll uh, continue yeah. on. No, I know. <laughs> I know. And that's why farmers don't believe in it because we know how unpredictable weather is. Like that yeah. that's the whole problem with farming. Well, um, well, tell me ahead. what the weather's going to be three Thursdays from now. I want exact. I don't know. You'll like, have to ask my uh, the tailpipe of my SUV. Because well, nobody <laughs> does, right? That's like, what dictates uh, it. Yeah. Well, I, I used to be a roofer. Um, and you look at the weather. It's like, all right, what's the weather going to be like this week? Are we going to be able to work all day? You know, is it going to rain at three o'clock? Oh, it might, you know. 20% chance of rain at three o'clock. Okay. And then lunchtime, you look at the forecast. Oh, 90% chance of thunderstorm. Like we can't even tell you what the weather's going to be three weeks from now. What, what makes you think that we can tell you where the climate's going to be at three years from now? Yeah. Uh, if anybody of my farming friends, if you've tried to combine or putting up hay, putting up hay is the worst because you have to have optimal conditions to cut it, optimal conditions for it to dry, optimal conditions for to, to bale it, and then optimal conditions to bring it in. And somehow you have to like, heaven forbid you work another job and you have to work around uh haying season. Um, it's, you really truly understand how unpredictable the weather is when everything you do depends on it in a day. Um, I think that's it. I think we're all wrapped up. Uh, Olivia, is that, are those all the chats? Okay, great. I think we're all wrapped up. Uh, Said great job on our inaugural Monday show. 
Um, I look forward to perhaps next Monday or maybe somebody else, but I think you did a great job. Uh, Thanks to everybody in the office who puts the show together behind the scenes. I know we were calling for clips that maybe you weren't ready for, and that's uh, me being overly enthusiastic. Uh, Thanks to all of our web team who work behind the scenes to make sure that you can actually access the show. That's a job in and of itself. Uh, thanks to everybody who tuned in. Thanks to everybody who pitched in to keep the lights on. Uh, we appreciate it. We know that there are other places that you could spend your money on and Justin Trudeau is leaving less of it in your pocket, uh, than ever before. So we appreciate that you chose to give a little bit of it to us. Um, I think I'm, I think I'm back here tomorrow. Uh, I'm not sure with, oh, maybe David Menzies. Um, and as David Menzies always says, stay sane. To address, um, in part the video we saw this weekend of the Deputy Prime Minister being subjected to some extremely disturbing harassment and threats. And this is not an isolated incident. Sadly, this is something we're seeing more and more of. Certainly, uh, members of this community have seen it. Uh, But we're seeing increasingly uh, people in public life, people in positions of responsibility, particularly women, uh, racialized Canadians, Uh, people of uh, minority uh, or uh, different uh, community groups uh, being targeted almost because of the increasing strength of your voices, of your positions, of the impact you're having around the world and around our country. We're seeing a backlash. And we've seen it, you know, first of all, over the past many years, anytime uh, a woman speaks up on social media, she is so often subject to harassment and toxicity that we actually seeing um, her rights and her voice and her freedom of expression uh, diminished. We need more women and racialized Canadians and diverse communities to be strong voices in politics, in media, where we're seeing uh, reporters increasingly getting attacked for calling out hatred and indifference and, uh, and, uh, and, and discrimination. We have to ask ourselves what kind of country we are, what kind of country we want to be. We started off this convoy calling it taking back our freedoms. But our freedoms are nobody's to take away. So we're going to restore everybody's freedoms. People came here wanting to only do a day, and uh, the word with all the truckers is they're now staying for many days. You know, like a lot of people now are planning on days and days in Ottawa. So, we are here to end the mandate. I am not leaving. Then we get what we want. We're not going to give up. I'm on lunch. I could be on lunch a long, long time. Choice for my child. My body, you know, not yours. When you're young.